0: Well, good evening, everybody. It's Chris here from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Muir, Alberta. How was your date today? Mine was awesome. It's my oldest daughter's 20th birthday today. Yes, I know. That means I am getting old. Uh, apparently, that's just what happens. We just keep getting older and older. Anyway, uh, that's not what I want to talk about tonight. Uh, I was just about to head off to bed and I figured I would check my Facebook because that's what we do right before we go to bed, right? And uh, I came across a video posted by uh, a lady you may know as Truth Seeker. And she mentioned how she found a video of Jordan Peterson talking about something that she has been talking about and people are calling her a conspiracy theorist for it. Now, you got to admit, there's a lot of things going on in the world right now, uh, real things that sound like conspiracy. And there's a lot of things people talk about that probably aren't real. And they probably are some sort of paranoid conspiracy type stuff. But they're pretty rampant and almost mainstream at this point. So that means it's very difficult for us to wade through all this information and try and find out what's right and what's wrong. I'm going to give you an example. Back in 2008, um, I came across some information on Facebook, of course, because, you know, that's the new Encyclopedia Britannica. Uh, I came across some information on Facebook about the United Nations. And the, there was some, I can't remember if it was WEF stuff or WHO One of the alphabet organizations was mentioned in there. But anyway, there was a thing going around about how um, the UN has these sustainable development goals. And they basically result in people owning nothing and being happy. And I thought, oh, yeah, this can't possibly be true because, you know, this is the stuff of movies. Governments don't actually take away private property ownership and give it to themselves. Um, That's something that happens in the Hunger Games. Governments don't actually make 15 minute districts where you, at first, are supposed to stay in your district to cut down on traffic, then to cut down on pollution, then to cut down on carbon footprint, and then all of a sudden you're not allowed to leave anymore. They don't do those things. Governments don't go into farms and tell farmers how to farm or uh, how much fertilizer. They can use specifically. They don't go and tell them that they have to cut their fertilizer use and cut their crop outputs. They certainly wouldn't uh, enact policies that make it impossible for people to farm, and then uh, threaten to take their land. Pardon me, threatens a, a harsh word. I should have said offer to buy their land back from them at a generous price and then return it to nature in the name of biodiversity, and 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 natural uh, habitats. This is the stuff of movies. And even as late, early as, as 2008, if you talked about these things, you were a whack job. Now, uh, when I heard these things about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, at first I was like, no, this is too crazy. I can't. Why would I bother with this? You know, And I was doing good at that point. I was making good money. You know, I had nice things. And it didn't really seem like it was anything that I was going to see in my lifetime. And I, sh- whatever, it's probably not going to affect me. So I'm not going to pay attention, but something made me change my mind. And so I went and I did a little bit of digging and I found out that yes, in fact, this is true. Uh, our Canadian government, our conservative Canadian government, federal government actually signed us onto these ideas back in 2008. And then again, but in a little bit of a different way in 2015 or 2016. Anyway, the, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals at that time were posted online. So was the NDP manifesto, by the way, which is hard to find now. If you're an NDP supporter, I would find that sucker and have a have a read through it. It's quite interesting. It's like it was written by Karl Marx. I think it might have been written by Karl Marx. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So some of the scary things in there was uh, the things they saw as unsustainable. Uh, On the list of unsustainable things were the family unit, private property, private businesses, private transportation, um, air travel, agriculture, mass transport, and so on, and so on, and so on. Basically, about 80 to 90% of what we enjoy as a society right now was on the unsustainable list. Religion was on there as well. Art and culture was on there as well. So this got me thinking, well, this is pretty scary what they're talking about doing, but there's no way they're going to do it. It's going to be like the Kyoto Accord. They're going to sign on it, think, oh, yay, we're going to do all these great things. And then they're going to realize uh, reality is going to slap us in the face. The math doesn't work. So we're just going to back out of this somehow. I thought that's the way it was going to go, but that's not how it's going. And a lot of those things in the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals are in progress right now. They're happening all around us. And the reason I entitled this live um, Confirmation Bias Will Be Weaponized and Used to End Civilization as We Know It because people's biases are being used against them. For example, my own bias to believe that the government couldn't or wouldn't do these things to me and everything is going to be okay. Well, I know everything's going to be okay, but in a different way. Um, leads me to confirm that bias by what I read and what I see and the world around me. Um, maybe I would pay more attention to a fact checker who I know is obviously biased and and misrepresenting the facts because I want to believe that. I don't want to believe That the government's going to take farms. I don't want to believe that the government is going to take away um, our rights as parents. I don't want to believe that the governments globally actually want to open borders and have all culture watered down to the point where there is no culture. I don't want to believe those things. That's a difficult thing for me to believe. Partly because it's scary and partly because Um, if I am to believe those things, I now have a responsibility to deal with them. The things that are happening around me may not be my fault. I'm not a victim in these circumstances. But whatever happens, I have a responsibility to deal with it one way or another. So for the most part, most people at this point are very happy to believe their own bias that life will continue to be easy and comfortable, and we don't have to worry about our rights and freedoms being restricted. That's what most people want. But as time goes on, it's getting harder and harder and harder to believe that. So the conspiracy theorists of yesterday are becoming the prophets of today. So the biases that we hold as individuals will be used against us in, in, in the way that those that are doing these things, um, they know that people don't want to believe that it's going to happen. They know that people are going to persecute others for sounding the alarm on it. They know these things. And so a lot of this stuff can happen right in plain sight. Has anybody heard of a 15 minute city? Oh, it's a conspiracy. Don't worry about it. It's just a conspiracy until it isn't. Now. There are groups. One of them, specifically, I believe, is called—I want to say C40 or CP40 or something like that. It's a group of municip- municipalities that are bringing all of these things to their 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 jurisdiction, their their, their areas. Um, they're implementing some plans put in place by think tanks by groups that have come up with ideas on how we can deal with the climate emergency. And one of the ways we can do that is by limiting what people can do and where they can move so this group has things in their uh, um, documentation that talk about how um, people aren't supposed to or th- one of the policies is you can't travel by air more than once in every th- in every three years your caloric intake has to be reduced to 2500 calories a day now I mean I'm probably okay to exist on. A couple thousand calories a day for quite some time maybe i'll get rid of some of this um love belly i guess it's a beer belly but limiting your caloric intake to 2500 calories per day uh it's not going to be fun it's not gonna be fun at all so these things are happening and if if you don't believe me i i would encourage you i just posted something i just posted truth one of truth seekers videos where she also splices in a video of Jordan Peterson talking about these things. Now, you might know Jordan Peterson. Of course, you know who Jordan Peterson is. But anyway, he talks about this. He's seen the documentation from these groups that are putting these plans into our communities. So check it out if you don't believe me. And if you don't believe him, you can find most of this information online. And if you go at it with an open mind and a little bit of reason and a little bit of common, a lot of common sense and a willingness to learn, you will probably find that even if you are biased to believe that everything's going to be okay and the government is never going to do these things, at the very least, you're going to have some questions. At the very least, you're going to see that, hey, there is a path here where these things could happen to us. We need look no further than China. China has a very uh, entrenched social credit system right now. It's been actually, it's been there for years. Uh, They have one closed-circuit television camera for every 1.4 or 5 citizens. 600 million closed-circuit TV cameras in China watch the citizens every move. If you jaywalk, it's got facial recognition. uh, It can even recognize your gait, as in the way you walk. Not like everyone's walking with gates, but the way they walk is called a gait. Uh, And it automatically can deduct points or fine you. If you do something like, oh, let's say, for instance, walk down the street without a face covering, well, you could get a ticket or find police at your door when you get home. If you do these things too much, you lose the ability to buy things or rent places, or you can't get a job that you want, or maybe you can't finance a car, or maybe you can't buy, I don't know, luxury items. This stuff that we're talking about in Canada, Specifically, we're really making some noise about it in Alberta. It is already here. This is not a conspiracy theory. And if you pay attention to what's going on around you and who's saying what and doing what, our very own Prime Minister in Canada said that he admires the basic dictatorship of China because they can really get things done. Now, if you were a Prime Minister that believed in net zero at all costs and saving the world from a fake climate emergency in which your 30 million person strong country only is attributing 1.5% of the supposed problem, you would admire what China can do. If you live in a big city, look around. Look how many cameras are going up. Now, this is your tax dollars that are buying these cameras, by the way. This is your tax dollars and your kids' tax tax dollars that are paying for the software, the technology, and the infrastructure that's going to one day be used against you. It sounds very conspiratorial, doesn't it? It sounds like that even as I say the words, even as I hear them come out of my mouth. It sounds conspiratorial to me. But it's not. It's here. And it's coming to Canada. For your safety, in the name of climate change and net zero at all costs. Now, this is one of the reasons why I had a problem with our premier when uh, she first took government and actually during her uh, leadership run was she talks about how Alberta can Alberta can meet the net zero targets the federal government has set by just being Alberta and using more resources. I understand what she's doing with it. I know she's, what she's doing is saying, you know, we're, we're not going to get rid of oil and gas. We're simply going to shift maybe from using it as an energy source to more of a petrochemical or whatever. It's going to, we're going to use it. We're going to need more of it. We're always going to need more. We can meet these silly targets and still be prosperous. I get it. But the reason I was so vocal in speaking out against it is because if we give them a finger, they will take our whole hand. If we give an inch, they're going to take a mile. And we've seen it over and over and over. Hi, Carrie, Over and over and over. Yeah, Throughout history been happening for thousands of years. You give an inch and they'll take a mile. For my Dutch friends, you give a finger and they'll take your whole hand. Anyone who has a Chihuahua knows that. Now, let's look at Alberta. Let's look at how we're biased and how we confirm our own bias uh, within our political landscape in this province. So recently, there's been a complete explosion slash implosion slash I don't know what's going on with the Independence Party of Alberta. Uh, The the board removed the leader's uh, uh, membership and basically fired the leader. Then the leader was Archer Pulowski, a very outspoken pastor, street street pastor from Calgary, who's been vocal against uh, the COVID mandates and restrictions and also been basically fighting the government here in Alberta for like 17 years. Anyway, he was ousted. And for those who saw Art as the savior of Alberta, as the person that was going to lead them to a victory, maybe because they didn't want to save themselves or lead themselves, but I get it. We we want to have a, a leader. Those people, their perception of this was, this is the end of the party. The perception was, this is silencing of a Christian pastor. pastor. This is a Jason Kenny tyrannical approach, a top-down approach to politics and and, and uh, political parties. And I'm sure everyone can see how it would be perceived that way. Now, there is another side of that story that would look at it and say, yes, uh, Art was not willing to work with the board, with the party, to promote the ideals and values that the party wanted to put forth, uh, engage more Albertans in order to build a bigger base, and, you know, not attend board meetings, um, fundraise for his own stuff at, at political events, like the TIP events. And so some people per- perceived that removal of his membership as a good thing. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to try and convince anybody to be on either one of those sides. I'm just saying that our own biases going into a situation in which we have some responsibility or actually we have all the responsibility um, in how we deal with it ourselves. They affect whether it's a negative or a positive experience for us. Same thing with the video about Daniel, or with Daniel Smith talking to Pastor Pulaski. I watched that video and it confirmed my bias that the premier is doing exactly what she said she was going to do. It confirmed my bias that the premier wants to do something for me and Art and all the other people that have been charged with COVID tickets and this and that or whatever. But she realized in the course of her duties as premier that she was unable to do that. And instead, it has to go through the courts. People go into that with different biases. Other people look at it and they say, oh, that's proof that the premier was interfering in, in uh, the judicial process. They want to believe that people who will support one candidate for whatever various personal reasons at all costs will succumb to their own biases and fail to allow reason and common sense to lead them to the truth. Does anybody that's watching, do you you have any recollection of doing something like this in your own life? Something that I've become very aware of over the last little while is that life is a series of problems and um, we're never a victim to any of these problems. Art, for instance, he's not a victim to the, the previous tip board. They did what they needed to do. They took responsibility for their own actions and they did something that some people don't agree with. And now Art has a responsibility to deal with that in the best way he can so that as he solves that problem the next problems he encounters are better problems to deal with it's the same thing with the premier um you know she has a responsibility to do whatever she can for all Albertans not just for me not just for for you not just for conservatives but for all Albertans she even reached out to the leader of another political party that was campaigning against her in order to try and do something to help him. Now, that tells me that this is a woman who is legitimately interested in helping the people of his province. So what I have seen over the last few weeks, few months, has confirmed my own bias that the Premier is doing a good job and we need to support what she's doing and help her to do it that's just me. But on the other side of it, and there's a a million different things going on right now, on the other side of it, people's biases will cause them to perceive something in a different way, maybe in a way that it's not intended or or in a non-realistic way. They also have a responsibility to act on their perceptions of what's going on around them, And all of the sudden, they're acting towards a solution based on a lie, based on fake information. And that, if allowed to run unchecked, in uh, cooperation with failing to see truth because um, we're we're slaves to our biases, is going to be why these things will be done to us. And nobody will know what's happening until it's too late. Well, I mean, some people know what's happening, but not enough people will take responsibility for affecting the outcome. You know what I'm saying? uh, Does any of this make sense? I hope so. One of the most common things I hear from people when I talk about how... um, And don't get me wrong, I was a staunch, you know, burn the UCP down. It's garbage. It can never be fixed. I was a hardcore opponent to it until I saw people taking responsibility and being the change they wanted to see in the world, in particular in the party. Um, I was forced to set my own bias aside. And my bias was that party was evil, so corrupt it can't be fixed. I had to set my bias aside and let the facts of what I was seeing and the reality of what I was seeing cause me to shift my direction in what I wanted to do to be part of the solution. I had to give up my preconceived notions and I had to look to the future with the facts that I had and do the best that I can with that information and it's not been pleasant. I've lost friends over it. There's people that say that I'm a sellout because I support the premier. They say that I'm a sellout because I talk about good things that the current government is doing. They say I'm a sellout because I call out people on my own side, people who are my friends, when they misrepresent the truth about their opponents. It's not an easy place to be. It's like everybody from every side wants a piece of me. But that's okay, because I got lots. I got lots to go around. So, um, yeah. You know, nothing's, nothing's perfect. Um, there are people that I wish could have been fired out of government immediately. And for one reason or another, they weren't. They couldn't be whatever. Whatever the reason may be. And that doesn't make me a victim of any sorts of any, of any sort, you know, my, my COVID stuff, like the COVID charges that, that the, the, the public health act charges that I have pending, I'm in court April 12th, by the way, I'm not a victim to that. This is all just bad things. This, the problems that have been dumped in my lap and I'm not going to blame other people for them or be a victim to them. I'm not going to blame Shandro and Madhu and Kenny any any longer. I'm going to take those problems. I'm going to take responsibility for them because nobody else will. And I'm going to do the best that I can to overcome those problems so that the next problems that I encounter are better ones to deal with. That's what I want to do. I'm not going to play victim to the current government. And yes, I have in the past. Because I learned that that's not a way to get to a solution. The only way we can truly become the solutions we want to see is if we take responsibility for everything that's dumped in our lap and we just deal with it. Now, you might be saying, well, if it's not your fault, you don't have to take responsibility. That's not true. I'll give you an example. You wake up one morning. um, You go outside the... uh, the front of your trailer in the trailer park to have a pee first thing in the morning and you notice that somebody's left a baby on your doorstep well now it's your problem now you have a responsibility to do something you have a responsibility to that baby it's not your fault someone dropped the baby there but now you have a responsibility to care for it and get it to safety and do what you have to do to make sure that that life is uh is um safe you understand what i'm saying you might be driving along and somebody smashes into the back of your car. Totally not your fault, but now you're sore and you're stiff and you find it hard to work. That's not your fault, but you have a responsibility to be part of the solution of that problem. You have a responsibility to go to physio or go get massages or go sit in, sit in a hot tub or get some really, really good CBD. And, and, and get through the problem. You have a responsibility to deal with every problem that's in your lap. And reg- regardless of whether or not it's your, it's your fault. And if a bad thing happens to you, you're not a victim. You're just the recipient of the responsibility to deal with it. I would like to see our politicians, specifically the ones that are doing this right now, I would like to see them take this kind of an approach to leadership and politics. I would like to hear less about how um, this other party or candidate is going to make you a victim by by um, giving you a health spending account so that you can get medical treatment or intervention that isn't covered by Alberta Health. <sighs> I I don't want to see the UCP or hear them anymore saying, "Hey, if you don't vote for uh, vote for us, you're going to be a victim." to the Alberta NDP, to the to the federal NDP, you're going to be a victim of Jagmeet Singh and Trudeau's unholy alliance in which they want you to own nothing and be happy. We're not victims. If we fail to bring some conservative common sense into government in May, we're going to have a responsibility in our lap to deal with a lot of problems. But still doesn't make us victims. I'm going to, uh ah, it's 10.59. So it's past my bedtime. You can tell because I'm turning into the shape of a pumpkin, um, which is also my responsibility. I'm not a victim to my dietary choices, but I have a responsibility to either have sore feet because I'm overweight or uh, deal with it. I really do love food. So I'm going to take a couple questions here. Uh... Where was it here? Uh, somebody says they're both garbage, two peas in a pod. People seem have short memories. I don't agree at all. I don't, I don't think that any of them are garbage. I think they're human beings that perceive things around us in a different way. And maybe some of them are bad. Some of them are good. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. We have a responsibility to see through that and either um, cause them to change what they're doing through having enough people show up or cause them to not be our leaders by showing showing up at the poll and supporting somebody else. Where in the heck is it? Ah, here we go. Why don't you research the oaths the Crown takes? It's a multi-part path that swears allegiance to Canada and its people and the laws governing us. The oaths of the Crown takes the support of the Crown's oath, which means a lot of politicians have broken their oath. Yeah, of course they do. Politicians break their oaths all the time. Police officers break their oaths all the time. Does that make us victims? No, it doesn't. It gives us a responsibility to make sure that whatever we do and whoever we support is going to deal with some of these problems. That becomes our problem to deal with. And once we deal with that problem in a constructive and positive manner, then we get better problems. Like, oh, hey, you know, now that we've fixed this oath thing and they're people can be held accountable for breaking their oath um, would deal with something else. Uh, oh, I had a question about Tim Hovens, which brings up another question that I had a few weeks ago. So as many of you may know, Tim is running as an independent in the Rimby Rocky Mountain House Sundry CA It's a huge CA that stretches all the way from Water Valley in the south to I want to say Alder Flats or Bluffton in the north and from uh, basically Bentley-ish Rimby all the way to the BC border. It's huge. And Tim is running against a man named Jason Nixon who is the incumbent MLA in in that constituency. Now Jason Nixon, in my humble opinion, is one of the PC old boys club, Kenny loyalists. I mean, he's one of the guys that was at the sky palace. He's been in some very, very shady things over the last few years. And I, I, he's not a representative to the people. As far as I'm concerned, as a matter of fact, his CA said that they wanted to open up the nomination so that he, they could select who they're going to send to the legislature. And he had it shut down. He, he literally doesn't want the people's, in his constituency to choose who the candidate is for the UCP. So one of the things he did and the party did The party isn't perfect. I certainly have never said that. Um, They used the vetting process to disqualify Tim because of a Facebook post or something that he had years ago on a social media platform that he doesn't even never use and didn't really know he had. And it wasn't even something he said, they said, Oh, you're on this social media platform, and it's known that racists use this social media platform, so you can't be a you can't run against Jason Nixon. Completely ludicrous. Anyhow, Tim's running, and he's running because he wants to represent the people in that constituency. And it's an uphill battle for him. They've got horrible fundraising rules. They can't campaign until uh, the writ is dropped. As a matter of fact, he hasn't even announced that he's running. He said that he he has an intention to announce he's running. The rules are very convoluted. Very easy for the incumbent, very difficult for Tim. Anyway, people are saying, well, we need to support the UCP at all costs uh, so we don't have an NDP government. Bullshit. Bullshit. We need to elect good people, the best candidate in that CA to the legislature. Whether they're an independent or UCP, or an Independence Party candidate. It has to be the best candidate. And I'll tell you why. This whole idea that we have to elect somebody because they're a part of a particular party frees them from the accountability to the people to do the right thing. Oh, I'm going to get elected anyway, so I can continue to be a tyrant. I can continue to push this woke green climate alarmist ideologies within the legislature, even when my constituency doesn't want it, I can do all those things because they're going to vote for me anyway because they're so scared of the NDP. No, no, that is not how it works. There's other groups they are telling you, you have to vote for your UCP MLA even if you don't like them, even if they're bad people. No, you don't, and you shouldn't. And if you do, you're part of the problem. And if you're one of the people saying that, you're a bigger part of the problem because you're leading people down the wrong path and allowing these supposedly democratically elected MLAs to get away with whatever they want because people are so scared of another candidate. I would much rather go in a room with these candidates and say, you know what? We are not going to vote for you because of this. So change your tune, pull up your socks, get with the plan, and we'll move forward. Otherwise, we're not going to elect you. We'll elect an independent, or we'll elect an Independence Party candidate. I certainly don't want to see Alberta elect to NDP government, but like they did years ago, that happened because people were angry and they weren't thinking clearly. They thought there was no other option. They thought their vote was just wasted and it was a disaster. But we got through those problems, didn't we? There was something else I wanted to talk about. Can't remember what it is. Somebody, actually a lot of people say politicians are all corrupt. If you believe politicians are all corrupt, I feel sorry for you. Because I know a lot of good politicians. Not everybody is corrupt. Some are spineless. Some are corrupt. Some don't actually have the knowledge they need to do the job. But I don't think they're all corrupt. I I think it's, even if there was, even if all politicians were corrupt, What does that say about us for allowing them to get away with it and, and electing the same people and not holding them accountable? Who's worse? The, the dog in the hen house or the, or the owner who allows the dog to get in the hen house and doesn't stop them. Uh, This is an interesting statement. Daniel Smith is not showing Albertans all the cards she has in her hands. Personally, I don't appreciate that one little bit. I don't quite understand this. Um, it's saying that Daniel Smith shouldn't be elected because she's not showing all her cards. First of all, what gives anybody the idea, or the feeling, or the the uh, the right to know everything that the premier is thinking about or planning? She doesn't have to ask us permission to do everything. She doesn't have to run everything by us. We elect people because we believe that they're going to do a good job. So let them do their job. Keep an eye on them, hold them accountable. And if they do something wrong, make a big stink about it. But this whole idea that everybody has the right to know everything is just absolutely ludicrous. Um, If everybody knew everything, then the opponents would also know everything. And that that was that. So Mr. Benjamin Dover, who is obviously a troll, says dumped in your lap. You asked for it. Thanks for accepting your responsibility. Hmm. Interesting statement. Um, to be clear, I never once said that I didn't accept the responsibility for my actions uh, pushing back against the government. I've had this conversation with AHS. I've had this conversation with the RCMP. Um, they, were told me what, they told me what the consequences would be. And I said, fine. So be it. This is my line in the sand and I'm not crossing it. So thank you for pointing that out, Mr. Fake Name, Benjamin Dover. (sighs) Yes, Kenny has a new job. He is uh, working for a law firm that uh, works on public policy. So some public policy that you see coming down the pipe in your future could be the brainchild of Jason Kenny. How interesting is that? I guess on the bright side, he's a pretty smart fella, but we'll see. Did I hear that correctly, Chris, that you'll be you only be allowed to travel every three years? Yeah, so us peasants, if you go look it up, look watch the video that I posted earlier with Jordan Peterson and uh, uh, Truth Seeker. And he kind of, he explains it much better than I do. And then after that, go and look up the information for yourself. Yes. Okay. So this is how I feel exactly. Regarding the premier, she cannot help anyone with charges. It's not legal for her. She asked about it and it was firmly told she can't get involved. She's doing all she can do for now. I have to say I'm pleased with her so far as am I not pleased with everything. But for the most part, I am. We are not going to be slaves, Diana says. Diana, I got news for you. We're already slaves. (laughs) Yeah, we are. We are slaves to our payments. We're slaves to the federal government. We're slaves to the provincial government. We're slaves to the municipality. You think you're not a slave and you think you're free. Well, try and serve a hamburger when the government tells you you can't. Try and go to the gym for your health until the government tells you that you can't go to the gym for your health. We already are slaves. We're And if we're not slaves to that kind of thing, we're slaves to our own bias, like I mentioned before. We're slaves to what's going on up in here that prevents us from seeing what's going on around us. We're slaves to our preconceived notions of other people, just like Benjamin Dover's preconceived notions of me that has him ignore every worthwhile thing that I say and only focus on irrelevant, unimportant personal issues, paving the path to further enslavement. But we can change that if we uh, can get past our own biases. Daniel Smith supports the King and the King is the WF. I'm not sure about that no I heard the premier say that our government's not going to have anything to do with the WF. everybody right now thinks everybody is the WEF Pierre Poiver is the WEF. I must be a wEF um, agent because. How can I possibly have hairs that slicked back if I wasn't with WEF? Yes, the WEF has infiltrated levels of government and put forth and brought in policy that is detrimental to our futures. Yes. Does that mean that everybody that we don't agree with is part of the WEF? No, it doesn't. It's a distraction. It's almost as big of a distraction as drag queens are. Did you know that drag is hundreds of years old? Did you know that women didn't used to be allowed to be actors? It was all men who dressed up as women. And that's where this drag culture and art came from. Now, I'm not talking about uh, in front of children or anything like that. But this is a form of art and expression. Has been for hundreds of years. Why all of the sudden... Is that all we see? Why all of a sudden are NHL teams and country music singers and provincial libraries? Why is everything about drag queens right now? It's almost as if people are being distracted with something very successfully. It's weird. But the whole idea of doing uh, sexually explicit things in front of children uh, makes me sick to my stomach and I think that anybody in any position of authority or not should be shouting from the rooftops to leave our children alone but this whole distraction where people are further divided over something as silly as a drag show is absolutely its insanity and meanwhile um, the rest of the world is just going to shit but anyway whatever Another question about the phone call that was leaked to CBC in very poor taste, by the way, Um, that was a complete nothing burger. And that phone call between Pastor Pulowski and Daniel Smith only further strengthened my opinion that Daniel Smith said she was going to look into what she could do to help people that were charged or offer some sort of amnesty. In the phone call, she alludes to not being able to do anything like that, like they do in the States. She alludes to um, having to run it by the legal team and the Minister of Justice to find out what she can and what she can do. And she did that. So that phone call for me was nothing. It just confirmed what I already knew. Benjamin Dover. What? a That's such an original name. I'm surprised he didn't have 69 after it. Mary Jane Benjamin Dover, 69. That would be better. You should change it. Uh, Let's go see what's new here. And then I'm going to bed. Uh, Okay, here. Thanks, Bill. Uh, Bill disagrees on the drag queen issue. It's now an industry and a direct attack on young people. Drag has always been an industry. It's been behind closed doors and for adults and it's been uh for anybody that's gone probably a fun time. I don't know why all of a sudden somebody somewhere has decided that they're going to use this to 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 What's the purpose of 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 bringing adult shows to children? I don't understand what the purpose is. 99% of drag performers are very likely good people they could probably you know maybe one's your lawyer maybe one's your doctor you never know it doesn't make them bad people why all of a sudden is this entire group of people that participate in this type of culture this type of art being demonized and vilified and and screamed at for the actions of a few perverted disgusting I don't get it. Yeah. Somebody pointed out that somebody somewhere is probably using a uh, group of people, in particular the LGBTQ, pardon me if I forget one of the new letters or numbers or symbols on there, Somebody's using that group as a virtuous stepping stone for them to put their own policies forth. You know, they're 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 causing people to. Oh, you you watch what happened in Calgary and the way some of those people act. I don't believe that everybody that transitions has a mental health issue. I don't believe that at all. Um, I don't believe that everything is gender dysphoria. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm, I'm just a coffee pourer, but looking at the way some of those folks are reacting to people around them, uh, you don't have to be Sigmund Freud to know that there's some sort of mental issues there and they probably need help. What they don't need is people telling them they're going to go to hell and, and telling them they're perverts. They probably need something. They're probably missing some sort of happiness in their life that makes them interact with other people like that. You see it like getting right up into people's faces and screaming at them. People who are just there to try and protect children. It makes zero sense. Zero sense. And what's even worse is that the friction and the hate that happens between those two people means that the focus is on that hate and never on either of the problems that either of those groups are facing. It's a completely losing battle. I don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's quarter after 11. It's late. I'm going to go to bed. I'll be working at the... Oh, I get it. Benjamin Dover says, don't get hung up on my name. I enjoy the free rent in your mind and your podcast to boot. I may be viewed as a troll, but I'm a fan. Devil's advocate. Have a good night. Well, thank you very much. I think you got the rent thing wrong, though. Um, You come on my podcast. I never think about you. I only read the comments as they come up. And as I uh, fall asleep tonight, your name will fade from my mind. And I'll be back to having really messed up dreams that leave me wondering. Um, if maybe I am exiting the Matrix in the morning. <sighs> have a great night, everybody. Have a, have a great night, everybody. And I look forward to seeing you at the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mirror, Alberta this week. I will be there all week. Try the veal. P.S. Uh, The first person to comment in this live stream, whether I see it tomorrow morning or in the next five minutes as I leave the thing on, uh, the first person to comment why I've chosen the background today that I've chosen will receive a free lunch at the Whistle Stop Cafe with me, or if it's more of a benefit to you, without me, I'll leave the building. So, comment as to what that picture is all about, what the significance or where it is, what the significance is, and why I chose to put that on the screen talking about conspiracy theories that have come true. Good night. I'll give you a hint, it's Sri Lanka. But why?